Welcome to Psychotherapy. This is Jet Dunlap. This is episode 27. This episode, my goodness. Rarely is the episode making something noteworthy, but in this case, it actually was. And we were going to have our first guest, which we actually end up having our first guest, Michelle Hall. I'll tell you a little bit about her in a second. So I set up my studio and, you know, of course, when you have a guest over, you're going to clean up unless you're a pig, which I am not. So we cleaned up the studio. It's not like it was messy. It was a basement that was used for utility purposes until we turned it into a studio. So I didn't set it up to be messy. It just was. So my wife and I set it up to be nice. I put a secondary computer down here and I put my Tascam audio recorder. So that's just a fancy audio device for recording sound I used to use when I would do uh, hosted shows. Now, the reason for that is Old Man Jet has been around the block a couple of times, and he understands that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And yesterday was no exception for that. As a matter of fact, it was a splendid example of that principle because I got the microphone set up. Normally, I just do a single microphone setup. Now, people are thinking, gosh, I really hope Jet talks about the setup of his microphones for his podcast that I'm only listening to because someone begged me to listen to it. Well, you're going to hear it because that's what I'm going to say. So I usually just set up one microphone. That's easy. Now, you'd think when you put a second microphone into GarageBand, that'd be simple, right? I mean, that's what it's there for. Multiple microphones, you'd be wrong. It's a very complex process that uh, takes so many different steps outside of the program. I'm not going to bore you with that. But every time I put in a secondary microphone and I start recording, it just stop. It would crash. The system would crash. I do what everyone does. I go on YouTube. I look at 30 different videos from people who are very enthusiastic about problem solving. And then that doesn't work. Nothing works. So I go, okay, I'll try my secondary Mac, my 27-inch iMac. Right now I'm on a 13-inch MacBook Pro. So I try that. Now that thing needs to be updated because it hasn't been updated in about a year. So that starts taking a long time. Then I finally get blah, 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 blah. Nothing worked. Then I realize I'm going to have to use my Tascam audio, which is just directly off the microphones. Gosh, I hope you're an audiophile, because if not, this part is just going to be boring you to tears. I'm so sorry for doing that to you. Anyway, eventually I say to Michelle, because this is how I am, I text her and I go, Hey, Michelle, don't bother coming over. We're having technical difficulties. She's like, what if I said I'm already on the way? I'm like, whatever. Okay, she can come over. Long, long, long story longer. She finally gets here. I have a little recording device in the middle of the table. Then Gina sits down. And we start recording. Then my dog starts running around because that day is the day our dog learned how to use the uh, shop, which is above me. I'm in the basement of our uh, workshop. She finally learns how to use the doggy door. My wife goes upstairs, closes the doggy door. We begin recording again. Then, like it's aliens or some kind of monster movie, our dog starts battering ram the uh, door to try and get in. So there's all this other noise. So I'm a person who likes my things to be organized. I'm a person who likes my things to be clean and neat and ready to go. That's why I had three sets of redundant systems ready to record this show. And even then I wasn't ready to have someone come over because my two first great systems weren't working. And those are the ones that would have given you the most pristine audio. So that was tough for me to deal with. But the show was recorded and we had Michelle as a guest. And then last minute, Gina decided to be a guest. So two guests for the price of one guest, which was free. So you're really getting a good deal. Anyway, Michelle Hall is our guest. Today in the studio, Michelle and I have known each other 12 years. I knew her since she was a little girl. She was 22 years old. It's not a little girl to a lot of people, but uh, she's been like a little sister to me. And recently she made a big decision in her life to become sober. And she's not the first one, but probably one of the most important ones to use me as a mentor during that process. So I wanted her to talk about that. 
what kind of situation she's run into, what made her come to that conclusion, and what the end result of that decision has been in her life. Now, if you're not thinking about getting sober and you're like, Chet, I just want to have a drink and listen to your show because that's the only way I can take it because, my God, your whole thing. Don't worry. As usual, I am not here to tell anyone to stop drinking. And... As usual, it's going to be entertaining. Even if you have no interest in any of the topics that we're putting up there, it is going to be entertaining because I am entertaining and my guests are entertaining and the circumstances around the show provide entertainment. There is one more note I want to give you before this show starts because, come on, a long intro is what you're really here for. The show is broken up into two parts. It may actually have a third bonus part. I haven't looked into it yet, but there may be something there that's worth listening to. I'm not sure how the audio quality is because the last part that happened after the show where Michelle kept talking was recorded on my phone. But this episode will be recorded in two parts, so get ready for that. Without further ado, I give you episode 27, and that beautiful episode, episode 27, starts right now! As promised, this is a very special episode of Psychotherapy. We are joined in the studio, or a uh, sad excuse for a studio. As a matter of fact, our guest, before I go into the fact that we are joined by Gina and Michelle, Gina came... Was it Johnny come lately on this one? Um, just jumped in at the last minute, and I couldn't kick her out because it's her house. But um, Michelle came down here, so welcome, Michelle. And the first thing she said is she's actually been on a real podcast before, which was <laughs> very nice. Didn't like that. Which was very nice because ours is on a is is in a porta john, and uh, I'm using. We wish. I'm, yeah, I'm using a, a a cup with a string line between another cup. And uh, phonographs. So that was that was the first thing that I had to get over egoically about the fact that this isn't a real. Uh, it is a real podcast. Yeah, that's not it, what I meant. I said I felt the other one felt very real. Exactly. So the same <laughs> thing you just told me. <laughs> I'm not saying you're a loser. I'm just saying that you're not a winner. Um, wow. So here's the, here's the thing that I actually like about the podcast. First off, I'll well not first off. First off, it's gone. Michelle and I have known each other for about. 12 years. 12 years, yeah, I was going to say 10 or 12 years. Long time. Uh, one of the things I was going to go into after we established the length of time I've known Michelle is that one of my favorite things about podcasts, and there are probably ones out there that are much more real, I'm just going for longevity. You know what I mean? Like when I was working out, I'd be like, just work out. It doesn't matter what you do. Just do it. Doing it is more important than getting it perfect. A lot of people try and get it perfect. They never get it done. Or they do it perfect and they only do it when it can be perfect. So they do one or two episodes a month, right? So that's why I just try and do it this way. But what I love about it is forever I had to do reoccurring shows where I was on camera. So I had to be camera ready. I had to have a makeup person. I had to have two camera operators. I had to, you know, so not having to worry about the aesthetics of the show is actually wonderful. Not only that, but the preparation of like getting all those, the other people involved. Right. You know, was scheduling the parts. time and yeah. Dealing with everybody else's quirks and. And just the fact that it also has this entire video component to it. So I apologize for my, uh, my shabby set up right now, and uh, you'll have to forgive me there for that. There is no shabby set up. This is great. I love it. We're excited to have our first guest. Um, if you give me one second. Okay, to further the interruptions, because this has not been annoying enough. Uh, <laughs> first off, you're hearing me on a different recording device than you ever have. My God, this is already as scattered as all my shows, so it doesn't matter. But I tried all my... I have this like nice little studio. Even Michelle hates it, but I, don't I think hate it's okay. It. It's got don't three microphones. Me. They're wonderful. And uh, none of them were working because my program... Sorry. None of them were working So my because my program shut down three times. And uh, I've been working on that since noon. Now it's like... I think it's like 10 o'clock at night. Just now, we almost had the show going. And then my dog discovered a doggy door today and was knocking on the door all day long. So totally ready to do this because uh, I'm excited. So Michelle, welcome. 
Thank you for having me. You kind of knew I was going to have you as your first as the first guest a while back. We talked about I it. I did. I did. I feel honored. Yeah. Yeah, you should. I'm I'm not going to get over this this the fact that it's not a real podcast. It is a real podcast. People's voice are going on a thing <laughs> and the thing is going up on you're a on podcast. You're Spotify, you're good. I know. I know. I I you're am on golden, Spotify. You're golden, man. She's just saying that you're not professional I and I didn't say that at all. I said it amazing. the other one, I w- we were making a comment about a mutual friend of ours how he does a podcast out of his house too. Right. And I said I wasn't expecting it to be as real as it looked and you Spun it around as if right, right, right. I was saying. Well, no, and it, and again, his stuff probably worked, and it went no, well. It always, if you it always to flipped. Show, it's technology. It would always we'd have sound issues. It was like the sound would be way up. It he had okay. issues too. It's not, but well, it's did, every podcast. Did you have dog issues? Yeah, we yeah, had my dog, dog oh, okay. his dog. So yeah, there's dog issues. Dog. Yeah, it's, it comes well, with the territory of recording. If you listen to my and you show, you save a lot of money that way too. So yeah, if you listen to my show, it always starts with good intentions, yeah, positive attitude, and complete disaster. So <laughs> it's consistent with the with the um, with the theme of the show. So basically, the show started. Uh, I'll go back to how it started for those of people who haven't been listened to it before and don't know the story. It came from an interview where a guy, a friend of mine for a long time, Ken, he interviewed me, ended up being about mental health, which I wasn't down to do at first, but I had had a lot of things happen in my life recently. And so I said, yes, that ended up being something that people reached out to me on Instagram from. And they're like, oh my God, the things you said, blah, blah, blah. Anything that I'd say, I always say this, anything that I'd say now would be more flattering than what it was, but it was enough for me to go, okay, I'm going to do a damn show again, which I never do because I've done this since I was 18 years old. And I was about to say, oh, I am again, but I'm not. Let's just say I'm an earth human who ages, maybe. Um, but so that's the genesis of it. And I've tried trying to help people and, you know, keep it as light as possible. And by doing that, I don't try and prepare. So I don't have a lot of like bullet points. I'm not trying to get down things, but no, I knew I wanted you to, to be a guest. Chat. Right. I knew I wanted you to have, be a guest for a couple of reasons. And one of them is uh, the recent um, sobriety of yours. I wanted to know, first off, because it's going to be a laugh a minute, um, what, what made you come to that conclusion? You got sober on j- July 4th, right? Yeah, July 4th was the initial, like, okay, I'm, I'm really going to commit to this. But uh, it started in April. Originally, I got a nutritionist, and I would have to send pictures it's basically a co- accountability mm-hmm. nutritionist. I would mm-hmm. send pictures of what basically went in my body, whether it was a drink, cookie, snack, meal, whatever. Um, it, I ha- she had to know. And Gina's so excited because she loves she loves this health and nutrition. Stuff. Yeah. So in the process of doing that, I also was sending my alcoholic beverages. Were you doing that honestly? Like, I mean, if yeah. you had I was sending, ten beers, I had, you said all I ten. would send Good a picture yeah. or how many I had, and she said, we really need to get your alcohol intake down to maybe, like, three drinks a month. And wow. Yeah, wow, because... That's hard to get drunk from. <laughs> Even if you stack them up, Well, she said that, that I needed to do that in order to lose weight quickly. I get it. Um, so your goals... Okay, my I get goal that. So your goals are weight, in that yeah. zone. Got it. And it... it and then I was like, well, I don't even know if I could do that. I don't, I have like three drinks a day like right. that. And then right. doing that, I was like, well, I don't know if I can do that. And the fact that I even said that out loud to her and myself, I was very uncomfortable with that statement that mm-hmm. I had gotten to that point. Um, so I started cutting back my alcohol intake and then the idea of before I had had a conversation with you about 
uh, my sobriety and that I just need to think about going one day at a time and not right, the right, longevity right. of being so, which really stuck with me and has kind of helped me through this process is thinking about it one day at a time. And full You day. can't not drink for the rest of your life. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Today. It's just, it's just so, uh, I, I didn't invent that, by the way. No. I, I may have said, hey, this idea of one day at a time, there's these 12, <laughs> the Jet 12 step program really has been catching on. So in the beginning, it was really hard because I didn't realize how much I drank. And I, I wasn't, and I didn't in my head think I was an alcoholic. And so I started thinking about all the things that would happen when I did drink and all the repercussions of arguments I've had, bad decisions I made, just everything like what direction I had gone into so, since I started drinking and so one thing I want to know about that is that I end up going to age a lot and I'm not going to ask you your age but one of the reasons I'm curious about that is because a lot of people have that happen yeah. right there's there's almost I've always said every person that has a hangover and they feel horrible mm-hmm. they're never going to drink again right it's like every time you get up from a hangover you're like I'm never going to do that again and at the moment you mean it yeah how many bad things you're it like was, I can't do it that's yeah. torture I hate it yeah but what I was curious about is First off, have you tried to quit for any length of time before? Yes, I had quit. uh, Actually, the summer Matt and I got together, um, I quit drinking. Okay, how old were you then? Uh, How many years ago was that? No, 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 just go beyond. You're on because you're honest. So, how old were you then? Six years. Late 20s, right? So, I was like mid 20s. Mid 20s, okay. Yeah, I was in my mid 20s. I had started drinking when I was 19. Okay, yeah, so typical. That's about how everyone is. Yeah, I didn't become like drinking constantly until about 23, 22, 23. Okay, so it just it started yeah. like everyone's Maybe, yeah, 22. Well, another thing, too, is that drinking consistently and being a pass-out drunk and a party drunk in your early 20s is just it, par it, for the course. Yeah, no it kind of comes with And you were, you were living in Florida, so it was like I was on the living state in Florida, flag, yeah. So it's like, and the it's fact that you were on meth was, like, amazing. <laughs> like, oh, my God, she only crashed into a tree. Yeah, she didn't I fight only, a I only had alcohol in my system. Yeah, I didn't even, I didn't smoke weed during that time, so it was just straight alcohol for So it wasn't, it wasn't a problem. When I came out here, I didn't drink for a while, just because A, I was homeless and didn't have a lot of money, and B... That'd be weird if it was anywhere other than L.A., Yeah, yeah. which everyone, you came out here to pursue acting, right? I actually came out here to be um, a model oh, and yeah, right. graphic designer. Okay, so I mean, and same same kind of thing, though. You came out here did with completely a, the opposite. Of course. Well, <laughs> that would make you exactly like everyone in I Los lasted Angeles. a month trying to model out here. That's, and, that's probably longer than yeah. a lot of people. And then I just, I was like, you know what? This just isn't going to work for me out here. I think and I have described Los Angeles as a place where dreams go to die. Yeah, or is. a soul-sucking monster. So, okay, a lot of, some people get sober in their early 20s, even younger. I think that it usually happens somewhere around your mid or your late, because then you have to kind of come face-to-face with how is this affecting my life. Yeah, people what? have kids, or they're, they're married, or something happens in their life with their family. It's usually more the fact that it becomes a problem with the drinking, because I know people who are, have kids and drink forever. I definitely was getting to the point where it was becoming a problem with my drinking. I was drinking almost about a bottle of wine a night. Um, it wasn't every night, but it was getting there. And, Don't uh, worry, it's just us. I noticed, yeah, and I I caught myself like a couple times where I, I would come home the next day. I'd be like, "Why did I drive home? Like I shouldn't have driven home." Mm-hmm. And a lot you you oh, that's you good. convince your friends and you convince yourself that you're fine, but really you're not. Well, and also and your friends don't want to stop drinking in most cases. Yeah, that was the other thing. People, like, and I mean, I had a couple of friends that were like, are you sure you're okay to drive? And I Ubered most of the time. But there were times where I was like, I just really don't want to deal with my car. I'm only a mile, blah, blah, blah. I'd make all these excuses. But really, it's just there's no excuse for that. It's, 
I would feel bad about it, but then I wouldn't do anything to fix it. Do you have history of alcoholism in your family? Yes, okay. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's always, it's funny how, as you know, I'm a geneticist, but uh, <laughs> I'm always fascinated by the fact that's just as much as... It's all an extended family because my parents that's fine. didn't. It, yeah, I mean, yeah. And they, who knows, but it's, it's amazing how consistent that is. Yeah. How if you have it in the family, it, it's pretty rare for me to find someone who doesn't have it as a genetic trait. It's also really interesting because I didn't grow up around people that drank. My dad doesn't drink. My mm-hmm. stepmom doesn't drink. Um, my mom would have the occasional glass of wine, and my stepdad would drink beer. But it wasn't alcohol to the extent of the abuse part of it. It was right. just, we're having a glass of wine with dinner. It's a special occasion kind of thing. Right. That's how my family was. Oh, except they were consistent. Like, every night there was wine. But it never seemed like a big thing. Yeah. And they always encouraged me, oh, have some of this, have some of this. And I went the opposite way. I was like, no. And uh, and now I'll, you know, I have about three drinks a month or something like that. Yeah. Because... Every once in a while, I like the taste of a beer or I like something. It doesn't have that kind of effect on me that is really desirable, so I I don't really want to have it consistently. But it was the same kind of thing growing up where it was part of the environment, but it was never a focus of the environment. Yeah. Something Gina said that was really interesting was when she first had a drink, and I'm going to come to you with this in a second, but for me, when I had my first drink and then the first time I ever got drunk, it was not hey, this is cool. It was, this is what my entire life has missed. And this is what has made me feel like I'm really myself. And I have never felt as good as the moment I first got drunk. And that was, that was it. I mean, I was sold. And it wasn't a problem till later, because I just assumed naturally that everyone was like that. And mm-hmm. then people who didn't want to drink, they were just weird. You know, I mean, you didn't really, you didn't really analyze it that much. Yeah. But when I first drank, I was in love. I'm like this this feeling of just being forced in the moment, this feeling of just being able to exist where I want to be, how I want to be without, I mean, I have very few inhibitions, but even with less inhibitions, it was incredible. When you first had it, was it like that or did it come kind of progressively that you wanted it, it or needed it more? Progressively, it was, it was more of a I don't, honestly don't remember my first time. That's fine. Drinking, I'm just saying, as far as your first memory, I remember of it my being first time really being out in the club, and I had gotten drunk at the club. Right. And going home after that. The club. The club. The club. The club. The club. The club. Yeah, because yeah, in Florida we have clubs. There's no yeah. like. There, it's either a dive bar or a club. There's mm-hmm. not bars like there are here where you just sit and chit chat and drink. Okay. Yeah. And. Uh, the feeling that I had the next day wasn't a hangover. I didn't get hangovers until I was in. Like my late twenties, not unusual. And now my hangover lasts for three days, and it's terrible. Well, what usually happens just chemically and biologically is that when you're young, you usually just throw it up, and it doesn't metabolize. The older you get, the more it metabolizes. So you're more yeah. likely to just vomit or dance the night away, and you don't get as much hungover. And every year that you get older, that becomes more of a headache and stays in your bloodstream. Yeah. So you're actually becoming accustomed to it. And if you were drinking to the level that you were, the same thing with me. I could drink. I could drink so much. Of course, that's and an it didn't affect me. Yeah. And I could. Like, people would be like, you've had five old fashions. How are you standing? I was like, oh, I will be feeling this in an hour. But at the moment, I can't feel it. And then there there was a time where I could, Matt and I would go through a whole bottle of Jameson a night because we could just drink Jameson and ginger ales. Oh, I miss those. That's... That's the part that is really hard is well, being an alcoholic. You miss those favorite flavors of drinking and no. and the associated and memory. the associated memories of it, and it tasted so good. Yeah, but the taste—that's so funny to me because where you are right now makes sense. So 
it started as a health thing that you really had to yeah. come to terms with the fact that it was something that was unhealthy for you yeah. and you were trying to lose weight. I've gotten sober a couple of times. So the first times I got sober for years, actually mm-hmm. like two years, one year, something like that. I mean, basically by the time I was 21, I knew I had a problem. So, so for me, it started that way. This last time when I got sober, I was at a karaoke bar in K-Town, Koreatown, and I was uh, at a bachelorette party, as, as would happen. I saw the pictures of me the next day, and I'm like, look at this fat tub of goo. He looks like a big fat loser singing with a bunch of kids yeah, who are half never, his age. You never and take good pictures when you're drunk. No, and I'm like, I'm <laughs> like he, this can't... And, and I was bartending that night, <laughs> coincidentally, coincidentally or, yeah. ironically. Um, and so he went out because it was for his, uh, his cousin Alex's really good friend, and she was getting married. And uh, so since he had nothing to do, he's like, yeah, I'll go along. And he told me about it afterward. He's like, oh, it was so much fun. We were singing Mm -hmm. and, you know, having a bunch of beer. And he was hugging his cousins and, and, like, they were all just having a tremendous time. And then he saw the pictures afterward. And he was like, oh. I had, like, 20 light Korean beers that uh, (laughs) I kept making the guy. I'm like, come on, man, go get some more. It's a party, blah, blah, blah. And I look like this big, fat, sweaty creature coming out of the clothes that were too small for me. And not like the Hulk, like like fat, <laughs> hideous, red, greasy Hulk, which no one wants. I knew before that that I had to quit. I was really getting bad. I mean, yeah. I was hiding bottles. I was drinking. I was hiding bottles for myself. Yeah. The thing that it took me up until, so we'll backtrack a little bit. So I, I'm taking pictures of my alcohol and sending it to her and... She she didn't say anything about the fact that she knew that I was an alcoholic. She just was like, maybe we should take this back. What I'm curious about, and when did it become the threshold of the calories yeah. not mattering as much as the fact that it was alcohol? I, I genuinely wanted to lose weight, but I was still having a glass of wine. I cut it down to maybe one glass a night, and then it went to two glasses a week. And then I decided one day I was like, I'm going all in. I'm going to just quit. quit. Right. And... I made it, I made it a week. Got it. So that's kind of how it came to the point that you realized it was alcohol. The reason I'm stressing on that is because a lot of people, I I mean, I joined Weight Watchers before I stopped drinking and then I would do this. I'd go, okay, so I won't eat and I'll just drink. So I drink my calories because I'm like, I want my booze Mm -hmm. and I just won't eat dinner. I'll just (laughs) drink my dinner. And that wasn't a good thing. So what I was trying to get to in that for, for the listeners is that, at some point, you realize that it wasn't just the reduction in calories yeah. that you were going for. It, because a lot of people have to drink plus. It was also a habit. It right. was breaking yeah. that habit. That was the hardest part. And then when I started to become so dependent on it, it and I will say, like, uh, you you have seen me in between the processes of. Mm-hmm. Sure. I've gained all of my weight back that I lost during the diet. Congratulations. That's fantastic. No one likes to anything. <laughs> because uh, I had to fill the void of ha- that habit somehow, and it uh, became dessert. That is not uncommon. Uh, and I was like, now I'm filling the sugar void with a different type of sugar. Uh-huh. And so now I'm back in that point where I'm like, okay, I need to really get back into the habit of eating healthy and not drinking. You know, because You know, what's, what's funny is that I think part of, since we're assessing, you know, our early um, experiences with alcohol... I didn't drink really at all until probably a couple years into when we were dating. So I was in, you know, in my 20s. I had already uh, gone through college where I had put on, you know, some weight and I was mm-hmm. heavier than I was. She was about 600 pounds. Right. Yeah. I, was, I was heavy for me. I was heavy for, you know, it was after my like dance career, basically. So I put on some weight. And so I was very conscious of 
diet and exercise and balancing and not stuff. having sugary sweets right and, and so my line even when I was bartending people would ask what I like to drink and I didn't really drink at all because I knew how much sugar was in everything and the sugar alcohols and all the you know negative mm-hmm. points of alcohol and I would always say to them oh you know I'd rather have a really good dessert or like splurge on something something like that rather than have a drink but then I also would try not to splurge, you know, yeah. splurge on that kind of stuff. But it is uh, one of the first things that they talk about. You know, anyone talks about when you're changing your diet to lose weight, they say cut out alcohol. And that's usually the first thing people ignore. Yeah. And it's it's really my first uh, real experience being out in the real world as a recovering alcoholic was this weekend. I've been kind of avoiding a lot of parties and things like And I had... Um, a Labor Day party this past weekend, and that was a shit show. A lot there was a lot of alcohol in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I as my friends were leaving, I'm like, take your alcohol with you or it's going down the drain. Right. Wow. That's and, great. That's very strong. And a yeah. lot of people didn't believe me. And I'm like, I'm like, as you're walking out the door, this is gonna go down the drain. They're like, You're serious? I was like, Yeah, it cannot be I cannot have this in the house. Yeah, like you don't a, understand. Yeah. I will drink it and I don't want that temptation. And I was tempted. Of there course. was a disgustingly smelly Mike's Hard lemonade in there, and I was like, "What is? This? I'm gonna smell this." And it was smelling. Good thing so Mike's Hard bad. lemonade is I not know. sponsored. Had it been a Jim Beam or Jameson in there, I probably would have caved. But because it was a yeah. spritzer, I was like, "What the hell? Why yeah. do my friends drink this?" It's a little off topic. Yeah, yeah and just, just Mike's Hard lemonade. <laughs> sorry, if you want to sponsor later. So. Um, uh, yeah, and then um, probably Matt's wouldn't be parents, a good sponsor of a sobriety show. No, though. it yeah, would not. Say, yeah. uh, Matt's parents wanted to go wine tasting. Oh, yesterday. I've done that. Oh, yeah. I've gone and on it's wine so tastings. So hard. I yeah. went on wine tastings. That was uh, miserable. Sober, sober, so like in the miserable. limo. I was so miserable. Yesterday was the hardest. Did you day actually for me. go wine? I tasting? went with them wine tasting. Oh my god! I didn't know we were doing it. It I've was. Done it it just kind of happened. There's this place called Old Town. And the old place is what it's called. And next to it is a winery. And we just stumbled upon it. And they love wine tasting. Matt loves wine tasting. I was outside looking at all the antiques and everything. And they sit down and they're having wine. And Matt's like, I know this is really hard for you. And I was like, you have no idea. I wanted to cry. There was like four well, how, or five how, times I, mean, that I wanted to I mean, you're saying wine tasting. Cry. They went to a winery. They went to wine. They went I to, went to like five hours of wine tasting. Yeah, we were there for four wineries. hours. Okay, yeah. Oh, my God. We were there for four hours, you guys. It's, it was miserable. Well, I was everyone, sitting there. I didn't know what to do with myself. Like, there, I smelt all the wine that they had in front of them. I smelt it all. But it was so hard. I want. I think I like had, I stepped away maybe 20 times. Yeah. I could not sit there. Well, it's not a good wow. thing. At all. It was so hard. And then his parents didn't know because he didn't explain it. So when they didn't know, this is important. First off, you know, normally if you're not drinking, going to wine tastings, bad idea, especially within the first yeah. year. If you can yeah. avoid it, avoid it. We both have stories for some reason where we had a gun to our head. Because <laughs> no one, no one, contrary to what everyone thinks, wine tasting is not you have your little monocle and, oh, yeah. this is a tasty wine. It's just people getting messed yeah, up. You're just get, you're, you're around a bunch of drunk so people. So <laughs> what I'm curious about, and you're going actually into a topic that's very fascinating to me, he didn't tell his parents that you were no longer drinking they deliberately. They knew that I wasn't drinking. They just didn't know why. Okay, we but that's totally different. It, you got to understand, yeah. that's totally different because Gina doesn't drink much. Yeah. But she's not not drinking. Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. So he didn't tell them you're not drinking. He yeah, just said he, you weren't. Yeah, I'm not drinking right now. They didn't know why. Right. They didn't ask. And then when we got Did in the car, 
No. Okay. They just thought I was on a diet or something. Dr- yeah. Okay. Good, good, good. Diet's fine too. Even then, I feel like if you're not drinking for a diet, that's kind of insensitive to go, oh, well, we're going to sit down in a wine yeah. for four hours. I know. And you just sit there, you know, and watch but, but, us and don't but have these anything. These people were from out of town. Yeah. The, they were so, from out of town. And so I was different. trying to be, you know, I didn't want to be the Debbie Downer. Hey, we hadn't had lunch. I was kind of annoyed, and I expressed that I was hungry, mm-hmm. and that I wanted to go eat something. And uh, we had food in the car. You know, what? I'm gonna go eat. You. I'm gonna go eat. I'm gonna go have my lunch. I'll have my little picnic while you guys have by your wine. I went and had a picnic by myself. Yeah, because yeah. it was just it was. Do you have pictures of that? No, I, I don't. <laughs> but when we got back in the car after their wine tasting, they had asked me. They're like, "So, are you done drinking? How long Completely. are you gonna be drink not drinking for?" And I was like for as long as I can go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're like, yeah. no, you're you're done, done? Yeah. I was like, yeah. I, well, have, that's, I have a friend that's helping me out. Like, I talk to him about this. When he answers the phone he because he hates answering the phone. No. But let me, let me stay on that for a second because one of the things that I think a lot of people who are listening who may struggle with issue, so people who aren't saying I'm an alcoholic, they're people who have problem with drinking and they'll go back and forth and say maybe it's this, maybe it's not. Like I've said before, drinking starts like this. It's fun, then it's fun with problems, then it's problems, and you go through that cycle over and mm-hmm. over again and then someone may or may not decide to stop drinking but I want to touch on something very key here which is putting a flag in the ground and saying I'm not drinking and telling people that is one of the most difficult things in the world it especially is. socially especially I, when you have people from I out of honestly town. haven't even told my parents so that's important so when you <laughs> so what I'm trying to get to is that when you're in that situation a lot of people will then give themselves the excuse to say I had no choice I didn't want to be rude Now, the reason that I'm happy with what your story illustrates is that whether you say I'm not drinking right now, whether you say I'm not drinking for a while, whatever you say, it's important that if you started something, don't let that be an excuse because it's a huge one, Michelle. The holidays are coming. I couldn't help it. Oh, my gosh. It's it's very easy to relapse in those situations. It was hard, too, Mm -hmm. like with my friends, but I'll... A lot of people weren't drinking. There were a lot of people not drinking, and there were a lot of people that were drinking. Yeah, but so that it was matter. a balance. Parties but when are you're around where everyone's drinking, uh-huh. it is so but hard. But that all of that is just minutiae. The because Dodger if there is alcohol at a party, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. It doesn't matter if some people are drinking and some people aren't drinking. If there's booze there, you're going to be thinking about booze, especially for the first but year. But you're also, the way that I feel like the party was a little easier was I was at my own home, and mm-hmm. I could... I could step away. I was in a comfortable environment, and I was talking to the people that weren't drinking, and the people that started to get drunk, I didn't really hang with. Because hang with. when you're sober, drunk people are annoying, mm-hmm. and you want them to leave. You're just like, at that point, I was just like, please go home. And Have they started to... Have you ever been to my party in the last two years? <laughs> I kicked the hell out of here. And then I, I need sh- to learn how to do that. And I'm not going to say names like Alex really Morales, because that would be <laughs> So I'm not going to say that he stays here until 2 a.m. Uh, sometimes spends the night for two days, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he might be here right now. He may not have left this already. He slept on, yeah. on that bed over there. But yeah. you know what's hard? You know what's hard? Is that he pulled down the wardrobe. And let me actually take that position to go into another topic, which is... He's actually interesting because I met him when I was sober for six years. Mm-hmm. So we met each other as friends sober. So he'd come over and no one's going to, when they're first meeting, and you get hammered when you're a sober person. But then I started drinking with him and we really got to become friends, mm-hmm. you know, going up to a wedding and everything. I was a big part of his wedding. He was a big part of my wedding. And then one of the hard things there is a lot of people, especially people in their 20s, whatever it is, anytime you're over 30 years old, it starts to get to be a lot more difficult. If you're, well, I mean, any age, you're going to stop drinking. The friends that you have that want to continue drinking and you have a hard time associating with sober is a very mm-hmm. difficult thing. Yeah. And uh, and that's one of those 
ones where they say change your, you know, play friends or play place. When you come to a decision like this, it's unlike dieting. You can diet. I, yeah. I mean, you can get healthy. I shouldn't say diet because diet is temporary. You don't you can quit get healthy. your friends because they eat cupcakes. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's like, I like broccoli. <laughs> if someone comes in here and eats a cupcake, yeah. I'll slice their throat. Yeah. Um, no. You yeah, have just, to quit your drinking buddies, too, which is also that's tough. really, mm-hmm. really, that's really hard tough. to have because I have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, just the other day, I had a girlfriend. She was like, yeah, we should go out and grab drinks. And, da, da, da. and I was like, yeah, we'll have tea and coffee. You know, and I had to explain to her because it's not something you're going to go and advertise. I don't put it on Instagram. I have not announced that I'm sober. It's not something I want to do. I'd like to do it individually by each person that comes to me and says, hey, let's do this. I'm like, well, I'm not drinking anymore, but I would love to have tea with you or coffee or dessert because that's now my new favorite drug. Yeah, I mean, I haven't even told my parents because it's not something you just come out and say, hey, mom, I'm an alcoholic and I quit drinking. That is so hard because you, A, don't want to disappoint your parents. And B, it's not something that just comes up in conversation. And and it's a very heavy label. It is. It is such a heavy label. Mm -hmm. Okay, so stop there, stop there, stop there, because I'm going to actually make this part one of this. Okay. And then I'm going to go into part two in a second because I want to talk about the labeling of it and and how significant that is. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned for the next episode because you know I like to keep them at about 27 minutes, a little less than 30. Boy, that's boring information. So the next episode (laughs) will continue. I also like to have boring minutiae and information. So thanks for listening. I'll hear you next time. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for joining. Thank you, Michelle. (laughs) Last word. To hear the gripping conclusion of this episode, please turn your cassette over to side B or go directly to the next episode.